0: everyone welcome back to the angler's journal podcast this is charlie levine and today we are joined by a friend of mine a really influential fly fishing guy a fellow who I, i took some fly casting lessons from recently uh mr john cave john how's it going doing well charlie oh man it's so good to see you we are actually sitting in in your your living room or dining room here uh in central florida and i've I guess I first came to know you when you published your book, A Fly Fishing Odyssey. Right. And at the time, I was working at the company that published it, and you would come in the office, and you were always really friendly. And, um, yeah, I just always wanted to take your class because I'm a struggling fly fisherman. Not
1: anymore, though.
0: <laughs> I'm better. I'm yeah. better. <laughs> My favorite part of that day. So the way John does it is he, it's very informal. John's a really... Uh, light-hearted, nice guy, and he was like, Charlie, you need to relax. You need to relax. Michael Jordan was (laughs) never all Well, you gave me like a back rub. (laughs) You're like, come on, man, just relax.
1: I don't do back rubs on guys, dude. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) You shook me by my my shoulders and were like, you need to chill out. You need to chill out. And and it's true. I think I'm a high-strung fella with, you know, I got all these things going on. But just taking that edge off and loosening up and listening to you i mean that day i added at least 10 feet to my cast you know
1: charlie that's that's one of the really important things about fly casting is the more you relax the better caster you're going to be it's like that with regard to any athletic endeavor if your muscles are tight you're not going to do well and uh you've taken the class you know i refer to pitching once in a while but if you hold the ball too tight you're not going to have good velocity if your arms really rigid you're not going to have good velocity, but, uh, and fly casting is the same way. The more you relax, the smoother you're going to be, the less rigid you'll be. And, um, you'll throw the fly actually further. If you're trying, you're doing something wrong. If you're getting tired, you're doing something wrong. So relaxing is one of the key principles of, of good fly casting. I
0: think that comes in too when you start to
1: get frustrated. Yes, it does. Yeah. Or you do it a long time without taking a break, you know? If you just machine gun cast cast after cast, oh that, that one didn't work. I'll do another one. Uh, all you're doing, all you're doing is tensing up. And every once in a while, it pays when you practice to take the the rod out of your hand and put it in the other hand and just relax a little bit. You know, it's fun. It you know, is you're there fun. to have fun.
0: That's true. I say that all the time. I say, you know, it's fishing. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Something's missing. Um. But, you know, since spending that time, I've just wanted to learn more about your career and how you got into it. I mean, you've been at this for for some time now. Yeah, long time. I was really curious about your roots and, you know, where did you grow up and how did you first get into fly fishing?
1: Yeah, I grew up in in Indiana and um, uh, did some fly casting. Didn't know much about it back then because it wasn't popular at all. Uh, everybody would say, well, why don't you use a spinning rod? You know, And you'd read the old-timey magazines, Outdoor Life, Field of Stream. They didn't have much on fly fishing. And if they did, in looking back, in retrospect, it wasn't correct. So um, uh, I, I can remember I went up to a, a, a Western Auto store, showing my age there, but uh, and uh, used to look at the fly gear, and I thought, I can't wait till I can afford you know, this rod, and I wanted an automatic reel. I thought, oh, that's the pinnacle right there, not knowing that, you know, single action was the way to go. But uh, I bought that, and I used to fish some of the smallmouth streams uh, around where I grew up. Uh, a lot of times i get up before uh, school, and I would go out and, and fly fish. And it just, uh, I loved it. I always loved it. And I wanted to get really, really good. I finally met a guy as I was getting older, a guy named Ed Mueller, who used to guide out west and was a tournament caster. And he, he lived around there. And he, he, was, he, was, he could be a little cantankerous, okay? <laughs> but uh, because I love fly fishing, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit, me and another guy, and, and really helped us. And I look upon the lessons that, that Ed gave me back then, uh they were outstanding, honestly, as good as you could probably get. And and um I don't know, uh I used to buy him breakfast on Sunday and he would teach me about it. But he, he had a camper that he would take to a location. And if the camper door was closed, that meant uh he didn't want any company that day. Okay. I always wondered if that if that camper was rocking or something. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Probably. He might want to edit that, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, that I give him a lot of credit. I actually dedicated in the forward on, on my casting book, uh, I mentioned him. And I tell people when I teach about Ed and just how influential he was in my life. That's so cool. And then as I got better and better, I met others like Lefty or, you know, just people that you would read about, Charlie Waterman and – Hard to believe, but I, I became friends with those guys, you know, back in the 70s. And, uh, yeah, actually, uh, about mid-70s, I ran into some, some of them. And um, even then, there was not that many people doing, especially in salt water, uh, you know. Um, didn't see much of that.
0: So when did you fall in love with Florida?
1: Um, I, my grandparents uh, had a place in Naples, and um, so every summer or vacation, our family would go to Naples, and we would uh, go fishing, and I knew when I was young. I don't even remember how young it was, but very, very young, maybe uh, eight, nine years old. I knew uh, I was going to move to Florida. I knew right away. Just felt yeah, that was yeah. where you fit. Fishing, the, the beautiful area. i we used to go fishing on Marco Beach. There wasn't anything there. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe, but there was nothing there. And uh uh I just fell in love with uh with Florida. Interior, keys, coastal areas doesn't make any difference. I there's so much that attracts me here as a as primarily a fly fisher, but uh also as a, a, a an occasional hunter, I don't hunt anymore because my eyesight's not as good as it used to be. But um, I really, really love love Florida. Yeah, and
0: it's interesting to me that you settled here in Central Florida because mm-hmm. when you think fishing in Florida, you think the coast, or at least I do. Right. Um, but it seems like you still do
1: quite a bit of freshwater
0: fishing. Yeah,
1: I, I actually cut my teeth on um, saltwater fly fishing back in the early 70s. And um, uh, when I first started guiding, I worked almost strictly saltwater um, then as the fishery <clears throat> wasn't getting as, you know, it was, uh, uh, being degraded here in central Florida, the saltwater fishery, I found myself, uh, coming back from the coast and I'd stop off in the St. John's river and, or some other place similar and, um, go out and catch a few bass on the way home. Cool. And so I, I ran the gamut. I'd start early in the morning. I would, uh, come back late night you know having fished all that it also flushed the boat out and <laughs> so that was nice and so i i i don't consider i still consider myself primarily a saltwater fly fisher <clears throat> but i also consider myself an all-around fly fisher that was always my goal to be not just a saltwater fly fisher not just a bass fly fisher but to be a trout fisher to be a uh, uh, be able to fish central america be able to fish and i'm not talking with guides uh, when I used to work for uh, fly fishing salt waters, they used to send me to places that that were brand new at that time. These were brand new. Non, no fly fishing, no nothing had been done there. And so they they liked that I was kind of a do-it-yourself guy and configure figure stuff out. So they would send me into these places. There were no guides, no nothing. A lot of times I fished with local natives. And, um, that must have been amazing. It, it was amazing and um was always very successful and so i consider myself primarily an all-around fly fisher and i've always strived to be that way i feel as comfortable in a trout stream as i do on a bass river or on the flats doesn't doesn't matter
0: to me i like i i love them all wow i strive to do that too someday yeah <laughs> i'm trying um so have you always like has fishing always been your main occupation or I no. know you, you've got an advanced degree, don't you? And yes,
1: I got a, a, a degree in natural resources and I specialized in water resources and fisheries. And, uh, I've had, uh, several things in published in peer reviewed things. And actually, um, some of them are actually in textbooks. Oh, wow. Shocked me <laughs> when I, uh, when I saw it. I, and, and, um, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I got that degree and uh, didn't really use it. I kind of had in the back of my mind that I would use that as far as guiding was concerned. Um, I also was a general contractor. Okay. For, uh, um, because I got to pay bills. Okay. As I developed my business more and more. And so um, uh, I did that. And, uh, um, but it. I hate to say this, but it always. <laughs> I don't hope and an old customers here, but I, it always took a backseat to to the fly fishing. If I had a chance, if some magazine called me to go somewhere, I dropped everything. Yeah, and I would go. And, no and that's regrets. What it took. No regrets. No
0: none. To experience those places when they're just getting developed, I, I can't even imagine. Um, you know, cause I've been to Costa Rica and all these spots and now there's, it's like you're in Florida, there's a it huge is. Marina and there's all these things, yeah. but
1: I would think to be there in the very beginning was pretty cool. It was amazing. It, it truly was amazing. One of the, one of the places I remember the most, well, there's a lot, but I can remember going to, uh, uh, uh Honduras and, uh, we went to a place called Cannon Island, which was, um. An old Spanish fort. There were still cannons there from that. And uh, the only people that inhabited that were natives. And uh, (laughs) very tribal. I stayed in a stick hut there. And there was a family that was trying to establish a fishing business there for for tarpon and stuff and snook. And uh, um, but they didn't, they knew where the fish were, but they didn't know how to fly fish for them, what lines, what flies um you know what would be conducive to fly fishing for those you know rather than <clears throat> there's some places where you'll cast a fly out for tarpon and they have you almost kind of drift it and jerk it i won't i won't participate in that no, and i won't name really the lodges tradition but there's plenty of them sure and um you know where you could free cast to them um, same with rooster fish in places I've been where it's rooster fishing. You know, you, I, 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 I'm doing it legitimately, or I'm, I'm just not going to do it. To catch it on fly means nothing. You know, on a fly rod, you might as well do whatever you got. But um, the act of fly fishing itself is, is attractive. But Cannon Island was really cool, man. The, those natives, they, you know, it was like loincloths optional. They're <laughs> all out in dugout canoes, paddling around. Wow. It, it, it was so cool. Uh, there are no roads to this area I went to. And, uh, and sometime later, if you get a chance, I'll t- tell you a story about even getting there. I've got It was time. an amazing trip. <laughs> we we flew out of Tegucigalpa. And... Uh, what is
0: that? Is that That's uh, the capital okay.
1: of uh, Honduras. And... Um, so we're. I'm supposed to catch a, a, a plane from there, and uh, we get off Tegucigalpa. By the way, is one of the most dangerous airports in the world, and um, rightfully so, I might add. But I'm going to my plane. Somebody's leading me, and I'm walking through this this. I don't look like a, a aircraft junkyard. They're parts, not planes. Parts stacked higher than I am. Then I'm walking down through this aisle. And as I get closer and closer, I mean, it was a long, pretty long walk through the stuff. Uh, at the end of this pathway, there's a, a plane. And I thought, well, that's a junk plane. It had it, it. would be like getting a 55 Chevy and putting 62 Chevy parts on it. You know what I mean? I mean, it, no panels matched, no nothing. I thought, well, that isn't my plane. Oh, yeah, it was. That was my plane. <laughs> Wow. So I get there. None of the seats in there were the same. The seat belts were so old, I didn't even know how to fasten them. And and the guy gets in. He says, we pray before every flight. And this is like a four-passenger plane. I thought, for God's sakes, do something. Check the (laughs) flaps. Check the gas. I don't know. But the last thing I want to hear from my pilot is, let's pray. Let's pray. So anyway, I get in. I'm sitting in the front seat. And we fly across some place called Buzzard Canyon, and he said, um, uh, "Watch for buzzers, because if they hit the prop, single engine plane, by the way, a uh, small plane, um, you know, we might wreck." And I thought, "Well, there's buzzers everywhere. What what am I checking for?" So we finally land anyway. We made it and landed. Um, they flew over this like little pathway through the middle of town, clear everybody out, and then they landed on it and. <laughs> Um, then he, uh, later I found out he was a missionary. That's why he wanted to pray, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, I was taken back. I'll tell you that. Wow. I'm
0: crazy adventures. And I, I don't personally, I love to travel and fish for that reason is to see these interesting places. The adventure. Yeah, yeah. The adventure of it all. And yeah. it's, I'm sure you've been to a ton of interesting spots, um, yeah. yet, I sense there's a real draw for you here, where you're at now.
1: Yeah, you know, we all have a tendency, especially now with all these fancy lodges with a wine list and an a la carte menu, we have a tendency to think, "Well, I got to go here to do this. I, I have to travel to have good fishing." And you know, nothing could be further than the truth. From the truth, uh, we have as good a fishing as there is, uh, and even here in Central Florida, I mean. You know, you can, you can go to the jungles of Costa Rica and go snuck fishing, you know, or I can go over around Mosquito Lagoon and mm-hmm. whack some there or a few other places that I won't mention, but um, yeah, very, very good. You know, or bass fishing. Uh, uh, I've taken guys bass fishing when I was guiding who had been to the Amazon. They said, man, this is better bass fishing than what they had for, for peacocks in the Amazon. Um, so it, we have a tendency to overlook our own backyard, you know? I
0: agree. I yeah. think the pandemic for me personally was good in that way. Cause I could, no one could travel. So yeah, I explored Florida a bit more and found some really cool spots. There's, you really there's so do. much diversity here.
1: There really is. And it's right. It's, you know, you don't even have to travel in Florida. It's right here. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to put in the time and look around. Um, yeah, I, I, I do not like flying anymore, not because I'm afraid to fly, because obviously I've flown in the junkiest stuff you can even imagine. But um, it just the delays, the wait, yeah. the TSA line and all that, I just won't do it. If I go to the Bahamas anymore, I charter a plane. You know, a bunch of us will charter a plane and we'll fly over.
0: Yeah, I get
1: that. Yeah. And so how long were you a guide?
0: Oh, wow. Uh... 23 years. And was that in Mosquito Lagoon in this area? Mosquito
1: Lagoon, Indian River. But I, I also did trips to other places uh, here in F- Florida, uh, Everglades, uh, um, uh, down south uh, a little bit um, around Mart, uh, Melbourne area or Sebastian area or in a little bit north. Up, up as far as Flagler. So was that in the 80s, 90s? Or? Um, yeah, 80s, 90s, mostly, yeah. <clears throat> and back then, I was really the only, uh, the, you know, I see the some some of these things. Well, I've been to a f- guiding here 25 years. I would see that in the 90s. And I, uh, the thing is, I, I mean, I can remember going to Hallover Canal. I could go out and fish Mosquito Lagoon, South End especially. I'd be the only boat there. The only boat. I'd be the only trailer at the boat ramp. So you can imagine how that's changed. And uh, um, uh, really uh, started a lot of, you know, that shallow water sight fishing then when it was just incredible. What were the boats like that you used? um, I used a a 17-foot Hughes and an 18 Maverick initially then uh i went to an hpx and right at the end i went to a hell's bay so uh and i've actually owned tons of boats i I counted them one day i think i've owned in my life 20 20 some boats Wow! yeah and when you guide you know if you want to be busy because back then you couldn't get that many fly fishers And so I ran other gigs. You know, I had a a boat for the St. John's River. I had a – and freshwater. And I had uh, an aluminum boat for fishing around oyster bars. And I had an airboat. Uh, Believe it or not, I did some frog gigging, (laughs) which is a blast. (laughs) And uh, uh, would take it out on the St. John's as well. Um, And I had an offshore contender. And, uh, you know, you – you do that for uh, a length of time you keep the boats running but when you slow down or when you decide you're going to get out of it the maintenance become it starts creeping in and you think uh i can't keep these running yeah i gotta get rid of them it's not that the boats were bad it's just you gotta you gotta run those boats yeah, oh, as sure. you know, I mean, you know that better name, anybody. I say it all the time. I'm,
0: something's probably breaking on my boat right now. Exactly. Yeah, just, <laughs> just as we talk. Mayor. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's very true. And and your brother. What is your brother's name? Uh, Paul. John? Paul. He, he still guides. He still guides. Mm-hmm. And is he? He's actively fishing the St. Johns or yep. St.
1: Johns and uh, Mosquito Lagoon.
0: And that's your younger brother.
1: Younger brother, couple years by by two years, and uh, yeah, he 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 still enjoys it. Um, but I, 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 see him winding down a little bit and, uh, I don't know how much longer he'll be doing it.
0: Well, I would imagine you probably, it's mostly repeat guys that he's become at yeah. this point. A lot of the captains and guides I know as they get good and into it, they sort of pick and choose right. who they want to fish with. And it, it, you know, they put their time in to get there. But I would imagine once you do, it's that's a nice place to
1: be. It's like a rotational thing. I, you know, I found that you'll have the same repeat customers every year for so many years, and then it's not because of you or anything else. They they want to go to a different fishery, and so they'll look at a different fishery and use that time to go there. Mm-hmm. That happens. <clears throat> so you know, you you always have to kind of keep that base going you'll have a few that'll stay with you um and maybe that's changed since i did it but uh you you figure i used to figure i I can get about four or five good years out of somebody and then it's just the natural inclination is like you and i you know we're gonna go fishing and hey i'm kind of tired of fishing that same spot i'm gonna go look for something else you know
0: And, you know, after reading your other book, Performance Fly Casting, which anyone who's trying to improve their cast should pick up a copy of that. Yeah, thank you. And it goes over a lot of what you teach in your class. But I could see how you would love that challenge of figuring out a new fishery. or It seems to me like almost all you think about is fly fishing. That's it.
1: (laughs) That's it. I, I truly... I don't know that it's even healthy (laughs) to be honest with you. But I I have a kind of a one track mind in that regard. And I don't really have a lot of outside interests like most people. I like to take photographs, but they're of fly fishing or fish. Mm -hmm. I like to paint fish again. (laughs) You know, and so outside of that, my, my circle of friends, they're all fly fishers. Not just anglers, they're fly fishers. Sure. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be a snob here at all because I'm not, but that commonality of, you know, where you can kind of talk on the same level about stuff, yeah, it it makes for
0: great friendships, you know? I get it. I totally get it. I was having a conversation with my wife the other day. She's always, like, trying to hook me up with new friends. I'm like, I'm 47 years old. I'm not really in the market. for. I'm happy with my
1: network here. I get that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, the other day, I, I did my first art show, and, and I a woman says, "Oh, fish! Oh, I fish! I fish!" And of course, all these paintings have flies in them. And <laughs> she's a nice woman. Don't get me wrong. Not very friendly, very nice. She talks, starts talking about fishing, some sort of bait or something for catfish. You know, oh, we caught twenty some bullheads. She says, "But I hate fishing." <laughs> you know, and I think. Why are you looking at my paintings? <laughs> yeah. it, it, she was a, a really nice woman. We actually had a, a rather pleasant conversation, but um,
0: uh, yeah. Do you, um, obviously fly fishing is so popular now. It is. Yeah. Uh, all across, you know, America, especially in the Caribbean, all these places. Is that good? Do you, you think that's good for the sport? Or do you think some of the, the real special essence of it has faded
1: Yeah, I think uh, some of the essence has faded. Do I think it's good? I think it's good for the environment. I truly do. Yeah, I think fly fishers have a tendency to have a real deep appreciation for their surroundings. But um, uh, the one thing I see now that it's popular is become, see, when I first started, it wasn't a social event. Now it's become more social you know, uh, well, let's get our friends and we'll all go fly fishing or, you know, that type of thing. And uh, I like the fact that it's me and the environment and the fish. Mm. And uh, uh, in 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 seeing that, and I talked to Bob Clouser about this, we talk about it f- frequently, and a friend of mine, Dave Johnson, who I've known almost all my life, he's a very good fly fisher, very good. And, uh, you know, we're talking about how all of a sudden it seems as if there's these people that are reinventing fly fishing after they've been at it for a few years. Now, that's there's no harm in that. We all start, but um, I'm seeing the reinvention <laughs> before my very eyes with no credit to the people that precede it. I'm, I'm a big historical fan fan of what has transpired in fly fishing and throughout my life i have given credit to those who preceded me if you tie a fly and you know it has a certain uh uh we'll say a certain um a technique on there i always give credit to the person who developed the technique and so many will anymore they they don't even know where it came from you know and don't bother to investigate and um, uh, I think it's kind of sad in a way that, that that's happened, that that tradition um, has died. It, it, it disappoints me that it has, but, you know, there's not much I can do about it, and it's not <clears throat> ever really going to stop. So uh, I, I, I'm not going to fight windmills, but <laughs> um, it is an interesting aspect that I, and others that have been doing it a long time have seen develop you know it's like i i i would not even consider talking at length about tarpon fishing without giving credit to the people who preceded us in the 1870s There, there were guys fly fishing for tarpon in in the 1870s wow yeah with bamboo rods single action crummy reels and um uh fly lines would barely float and uh gut leaders and as sometimes they were catching sizable fish i mean the demick brothers and uh dr james henshaw were catching fish in excess of 60 pounds with that stuff on fly you know and so we got we got all these advantages and 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 uh you know, tend to, I don't know, we kind of glorify it to a degree, you know, about that. But, you know, what they did really is is, is amazing. And uh, I go with Ian Sassel once in a while. We, we we have been fishing. We'll take bamboo out, maybe go bass fishing. Or I've done it bone fishing, take bamboo. Just not because I'm trying to prove anything. I, I don't even tell people. just cause You cause know, but I, I just do it to To show myself what the roots of it are, where that what what skill so much of that took, um, I don't know. I, I, I if you look through my library, I have I can't even tell you how many books on fly fishing that date from the 1850s because I've collected them most of my life because I'm very interested in what has transpired. If you think you got a new pattern, new fly pattern, look in in herders old book of patterns and more than likely you'll see that same pattern or something very similar to it in there yeah
0: wow and so <laughs> anyone like me who's sort of getting back into it and thinks it's hard now to pick up fly fishing i yeah. couldn't imagine what it was like right back in the day yeah
1: those were pioneers
0: and i like what you said i mean we walk in the footsteps of those we do in front of us and um
1: and give credit to them you know give give them some credit it's not that's what fly fishing has been my whole life it's just i see it more as a recent development with all the social media and stuff maybe that's it i don't know i you know i'm not an expert on that but i see the change for sure
0: but i do like getting people outside Mm -hmm. and you know we saw a big boom in in that during the pandemic as well i think that was sort of a silver lining to get people outside like you're saying i and, do too and educate them on why we need to protect these areas because they're disappearing and you know we were just standing on your porch talking about the saint john's and you know that's a special place that is stuck in between massive amounts of people and it's mm-hmm. like if and a lot of people don't even really know about it no
1: they really don't so. it's just a beautiful strip not even a strip swath i'll say of land located between, you know, um, uh, we'll say I-95 and and sort of like I-4 and a greenway or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's amazing how you can get – that place has not changed in many regards in literally hundreds of years in, in so many regards because there's no development there. Now, that has environmental issues. Yeah. You know, but – um, they're not m- as massive as some other areas in Florida are now mm-hmm. Well it worries
0: me because every time we I do. blink there's like a new Walgreens popping up or something.
1: Yeah. Um, we and- need guys like you and, and to, to, to be advocates for that as you well know And I think interesting people inter- getting people interested in fly fishing can play a part. In, in helping that because they become more environmentally conscious. like I say, I think fly fishers, for the most part are, are it's not about numbers. I've seen people that are like that but that, that most of them have an appreciation for where they're at. you know I dig that. I dig that a lot me too. And,
0: you know and like you said too, it's something really unique about catching all these native Florida
1: species right. Yeah, you know, black bass, Florida black bass, separate subspecies. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful to be able to catch the original fish. Or what, during shad season, you know, when the, the shad migrate from Canada's Bay of Fundy, you know, come all that way up to their natal waters here in, uh, in, uh, on the St. John's River to spawn. Um, sometimes I'll sit on the riverbank at the end of a day, as the sun's going down and the fishing's still really good. And I'll just sit and watch the shad wash. And I'll look and I think, you know, this has been going on for thousands of years. And I get to witness the very same thing that happened thousands of years ago. I love that about fishing. There is a connection to the past
0: just by doing it. Yeah. Being out there. And we talk about it a lot in Angler's Journal. We write a lot of historical stories. and Which is great. Yeah, and our it readers, really is. I think our readers are, are into it too. And it's fun to pass those things down to young people. It's fun to, I'm sure you've um, taken a million first-timers out fishing. Yeah. That's always a pleasure. Well, maybe not always, but yeah, <laughs> most, And not, and not most too the bad. Time. If they
1: fly fish, generally it's a pl- rather pleasant experience, I find. Mm-hmm. You
0: know. The day I took your class, it was neat to see that teenager with his dad. Mm-hmm. And he was good. The, yeah. the young man was really throwing it. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I know his dad pretty well, and we become friends. I think he took a, a teach for Sage <laughs> rods out in Montana. Um, or dead since the pandemic, it's been kind of backlog. But uh, I met him there, uh, uh, teaching at the Sage Lodge out there, and it was, you know, good guy, and he's raising his kid right. This kid has a, an appreciation for fish, releasing, mm-hmm. you know, the very, the very act of, of fly fishing is a conservation thing. I mean, it's a, uh, I did my master's thesis on hooking mortalities. And, and the, the act of catching and releasing fish <clears throat> on a fly rod is the mortality rate is unbelievably low, unbelievably yeah, it's not like feeding a fish a bait and letting right. it gut hook it. Yeah, in. where it's gut hooked, and you know, you you release it, and odds are probably a, a little less than fit, depending on who does it, but uh, about fifty percent or more die. So, do you still work with? Um,
0: you were on the ASMFC, weren't you? Or no,
1: I I'm I'm not with that anymore. I had uh, the pleasure of working with them for for years on the Shad Advisory Board. Okay. And uh, I, as a result, I got to—I was privy to seeing all kinds of studies done on American shad, you know. And uh, uh, it, you learn so much being a part of that. And if you're an environmentalist or somebody that's interested in fisheries or whatever, like I am, uh, is a great experience. I mean, really a great experience.
0: Yeah, it can be. Great and educational, but it can be like bashing your head against the wall at times when trying to get some good things done for right. these fish. Um, but I admire you
1: for doing it, yeah. and, and I try to do some of that as well. Everybody thinks their idea, I call it the Billy Bob theory. They think they, here you have these professionally trained scientists, and I'm sure that people listen to this, there are going to be some that disagree, and <laughs> that will want to argue with peer-reviewed studies. Peer-reviewed means their peers are reviewing it and that same study has been performed several times so that they come to a conclusion and they don't deal in absolutes, they deal in probabilities. And um, But somebody will have a, their own theory and they'll justify it by saying, well, I saw this or I saw that. Well, that, that really basically has nothing to do with
0: it. Yeah, it can be... <laughs> and there's a lot of stakeholders, but... That's a whole nother rabbit hole we could yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. jump down. Um, well, John, I, gosh, it's always fun to talk with you. Thank you so yeah. much for making Thank the you. time. I, I really um, would recommend anyone interested in fly fishing, take your class, whether it's through you personally or through SAGE or any of your other partners. Uh, your website is John Cave Fly um, Fishing, right?
1: John, J-O-N-B, some boy, caveflyfishing.com although I'm having some issues with it right now, as we talked about. But um, they can also email me if it's okay for me to give out my email address. Is that all right? Up to you. This is going out to the world. Okay, it's jbcflyfish at att.net. Yeah. If you have any interest in Even if you're not interested in the class, I enjoy talking about fly fishing. So send me your questions, good, bad, or ugly, and uh, I'd be happy to answer them.
0: Sounds great. And we're definitely going to do a story on John and, you know, his legacy and and all the cool things he's done. So keep an eye out for that in Angler's Journal and visit us at anglersjournal.com. Thanks so much, John. Thank you for having me, Charlie.